Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of The Informed Catholic. This is going to be episode 231, and we're going to do the um, the readings for Christmas Eve. So before we start, please subscribe and share uh, my podcast. It would be a great help. I'm going to... Um, I'm going to start with a um, a poem that's set at Christmas Eve. I know I'm probably not going to do it in a proper format, but we're going to start with that. It's a very nice poem. It's one that I really enjoy, and I miss it because we haven't been hearing it lately. So <clears throat> in the last couple of Christmases, I don't know, under Pope Francis, but let's start. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the 25th day of December... In the 5,099th year, in the creation of the world, from the time when God created the heavens and the earth, the 2,957th year after the flood, the 2,015th year from the birth of Abraham, the 1,510th year from Moses and the going forth of the people of Israel to Egypt, in the 1032nd year from David's being anointed king, in the 65th week according to the prophecy of Daniel, and 194th Olympiad, and the 752nd year from the foundations of the city of Rome, the 42nd year in the reign of Octavius Augustus, the whole world being at peace. In the sixth age of the world, Jesus Christ, the eternal God, the Son of the eternal Father, willing to consecrate the world by his merciful coming, being conceived by the Holy Spirit, nine months having been passed since his conception, was born in Bethlehem in Judea of the Virgin Mary, being made man, the nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to the flesh. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, Ever-Virgin, and all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kiri elision, kiri elision, kiri elision, Christe elision, Christe elision, Christe elision, kiri elision, kiri elision. Behold, the Lord, the ruler is come, and a kingdom in his hand, and power and dominion. Give to the king your judgment, O God, and to the king's son your justice. Let us pray. O God, whose only begotten son appeared in the substance of our flesh, Grant, we implore you, that by him in whom outwardly we recognize our likeness, we may deserve to be inwardly created anew, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Rejoice, for a child is born for us. Dearly beloved, today our Savior is born. Let us rejoice in sad. Let us rejoice. Sadness should have no place on the birthday of life. The fear of death has been swallowed up. Life brings us joy with the promise of eternal happiness. No one is shut out from this joy. All share the same reason for rejoicing. Our Lord, victor over sin and death, finding no one, no one free, finding no one free from sin came to free us all. Christian, remember your dignity. And now that you share share in God's own nature. Do not return by sin to your former base condition. Bear in mind who is your head and of whose body you are a member. Do not forget that you have been rescued from the power of darkness and brought into the light of God's kingdom. St. Leo the Great. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, folks, the entrance antiphon. Today, you will know that the Lord will come and he will save us. And in the morning, you will see his glory. Exodus 16, chapter 16, verse 6 and 7. Today, you will know that the Lord will come and he will save us. And in the morning, you will see his glory. The prayer. O God, who gladdens us year by year as we wait in hope for our redemption, grant that, grant that just as we joyfully welcome your only begotten Son as our Redeemer, we may also merit to face Him confidently when He comes again as our Judge, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The first reading is from Isaiah chapter 61. I'm sorry, it's chapter 62, Isaiah chapter 62, verse 1 to 5. The Lord delights in you. A reading from the book of the holy prophet Isaiah. For Zion's sake I will not be silent. For Jerusalem's sake I will not be quiet. Under her vindication, Until her vindication shines forth like the dawn, and her victory like a burning torch. Nations shall behold your vindication, and all the kings your glory. You shall be called by a new name pronounced by the mouth of the Lord, and you shall be a glorious crown in the hand of the Lord, a royal didium held by your God. No more shall people call you forsaken or your land desolate, but you shall be called my delight and your land espoused. For the Lord delights in you and makes your land his spouse. As a young man marries a virgin, your builder shall marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices in his bride, so shall your God rejoice in you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
this is a um, this passage here is very beautiful because it shows God's promise that He will redeem the land. Basically, means that He wants to redeem the world. He He wants to restore the world back to its former state. But obviously, it's also a new creation, a new heaven and a new earth, as Christ promised. Okay, for. For Zion's sake, I will not be silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet until her, until her vindication shines forth like the dawn and her victory like a burning torch. Nations shall behold your vindication and the kings your glory and you shall be called by a new name, a new name pronounced by the mouth of the Lord and you shall be glorious and you shall be a glorious crown in the hand of the Lord a royal didium held by your God. No more shall people call you forsaken or your land desolate. You shall be called my delight and your land espoused. Obviously, like Jesus is referred to himself always as the bridegroom who came for the bride, the wedding feast of the lamb. He will redeem us and the church is his bride, the new Jerusalem, the new people of God a new creation, a new heaven and a new earth, as he says in the book of Revelation. And there shall be no more suffering, no more captivity to sin, no more pain. And this is what he promised us. Right, let's go to the, um, the responsorial Psalm, Psalm 89. And the response is, forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant. Forever I will confirm your posterity and establish your throne for all generations. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. Blessed be the people who know the joyful, the joyful shout. The light of your countenance, O Lord, they in the light of your countenance, O Lord, they walk. At your, at your name, at your name, they rejoice all all the day, and through your justice they are exalted. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. He shall say, He shall say of me, You are my Father, my God, the Rock, my Savior. Forever I will maintain my kindness towards Him, and my covenant with Him stands firm. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. So. We uh, we once more we're we're um, we are praying the psalm if you notice, and again it's a promise the promise that God made with David as God has made His promise with Abraham and with Moses, and with all the generations He kept His promise what He said to Abraham through you all the nations of the earth all the families of the earth He says nations and families, so God sees associates families and nations it's important to him because nations are an extension of the family an extension of what god believes in and what did he he created when the incarnation a family a father a mother and a baby god is a family the trinity is a family and god wants and god believes in families we are a religion that believes in life and family and we have to remember that and we also we have a religion where we believe we have a king all right 
We're not a democracy. We, we believe in a sovereignty and Christ is our sovereignty. He is the king. He's the king of kings and Lord of lords. All right. So now the second reading will be from the book of Acts. All right. Acts chapter 13, verse 16, 17, 22 to 25. Paul bears witness to Christ, the son of David. A reading from the books of the Act of the Apostle. When Paul reached Antioch in, in Pisidia and entered the synagogue, he stood up and mentioned with his motioned with his hand and said, Fellow Israelites and you others who are God-fearing, listen. The God of this people, Israel, chose our ancestors and exalted the people during their wandering in the land of Egypt. With uplifted arms he led them out of it, then he removed Saul and raised up David as king. Of him he testified, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, and he will carry out my every wish. From this man's descendants, God, according to his promise, has brought to Israel a savior, Jesus. John heralded his coming by proclaiming a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was completing his course, he would say, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he. Behold, he, behold, one is coming after me. I am not worthy to unfasten the sandals of his feet. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'll read it one more time. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 13. When Paul reached Antioch in Phasidia and entered the synagogue, he stood up and motioned with his hand and said, Fellow Israelites, and you others who are God-fearing, listen. The God of this people, Israel, chose our ancestors and exalted the people during their sojourn, their wandering, in the land of Egypt. With uplifted arms he led them out of it. Then he removed Saul and raised up David as king. Of him he testified, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will carry out my every wish. From this man's descendants, God, according to his promise, has brought to Israel a savior, Jesus. John heralded his coming by proclaiming a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was completing his course, he would say, what do you suppose that I am? I am not he. Behold, one is coming after me. I am not worthy to unfasten the sandals of his feet. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, <coughs> Paul here is assuming his audience. Remember, this is why you got to have a knowledge of the Bible. Obviously, he's talking to people that already have a knowledge of the Bible. And that's, this is very important. He goes on and he talks about Israelites. He talks about them being held captive in Egypt. And he goes into the, the, uh, the epic story of um, David and Saul. And he goes into the promise that God made to David. Then he goes into the, the covenant that God made with David. And then he goes into the story of John the Baptist and then our Lord Jesus Christ. So you see, you've got to have a knowledge of the Bible. There's no reason why Catholics should not read the Bible. There's no reason why you shouldn't be familiar with the scriptures. This whole thing that Catholics shouldn't read the Bible is bad. 
You, the Bible is yours. The church put it together. The church protects it. The church is the guardian and custodian of the word of God. Catholics should pick up their Bible and read it. And you should be familiar that a Catholic Bible is different than a Protestant Bible. There's seven more books in it. I mean, we're lucky that we live in a time where you can actually go get a Bible and you should be familiar with it. You should be familiar with the readings at Mass. You should be familiar with, familiar with the Scriptures. And Paul here is talking to a people who are very familiar and he's talking about the covenant and he's talking about Jesus Christ, the, the Son of the Father. These things are important. We as Catholics should be familiar. And... And this is something, you know, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense why you should not be familiar with the scriptures. It's not a, I'm not I'm not trying to downgrade people, but you should give time. You should read the Bible every day. You should be praying the Bible. You should be praying your rosary. You should be familiar with all these things. They should be part of your mind, your heart, your soul. They should be part of your your, your daily devotional life. Because if you want to get closer to Christ, you gotta get you gotta get you gotta go into the scriptures and you gotta get into the prayers of the church. You have to be familiar with all these things. You know, it's 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 sad when Catholics say we weren't brought up to read the Bible. I don't I honestly don't really believe that. I think maybe there was uh, a taking of granted, people took for granted, but there were people, I mean, you look at all the saints, you look at the saints we had, you look at someone like Fulton Sheen, you look at someone like Padre Pio, you look at all the saints. The Bible's part of their the Bible was part of their life. The scripture was part of their life. I'm reading, I'm listening to a pod uh, to an audio audible by on uh, the Secrets of the Rosie by Louis Montfort, and he was familiar with the scriptures. He was familiar with all of them. He was familiar with the Deuterocanonical books. He he knew he he knew where to find everything that spoke of Jesus and Mary. You know, if you have someone like Anne Seton who who was an Anglican, she was familiar with the scriptures. You, you, all the saints, every single one of them. I mean, the Father Peyton, the family who prays together, stays together, was familiar with the scriptures. There were, you know, it's important that you, through the scriptures, you will know Jesus Christ. And your faith will be made stronger. You will be building your faith on a rock. And that rock is Christ. Let's go to the next one. The... The, the gospel. Alleluia, alleluia. Tomorrow, the wickedness of the earth will be destroyed. The Savior of the world will reign over, over us. Alleluia, alleluia. Once more. Alleluia, alleluia. Tomorrow, the wickedness of the earth will be destroyed. The Savior of the world will reign over us. Alleluia, alleluia. Once more. Alleluia, alleluia. Tomorrow, the wickedness of the earth will be destroyed. The Savior of the world will reign over us. Alleluia, alleluia. Gospel uh, from the Gospel according to Matthew. 
the, the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew is from chapter 1. This is, I'm going to read the whole long form. Okay? I don't, I don't like it when we do the short form. You should be, everyone should really be familiar with the scriptures. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Pray glory to you, Lord. Abraham became the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah became the father of Perez and Zirah, whose mother was Tamara. Perez became the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amanadab, Amanadab became the father of Nahashan, Nahashan the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz became the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed became the father of Jesse, Jesse the father of David the king. David became the father of Solomon, whose mother had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon became the father of Rohabam, Rohabam the father of Abijah, Abijah the father of Asaph. Asaph became the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat the father of Jerome. Jerome, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah became the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Haz. Haz became the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah became the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Amos. Amos, the father of Josiah. Josiah became the father of Jehaniah and his brothers at the time of the Babylonian exile. After the Babylonian exile, Jehaniah became the father of Shelatel, Shelatel the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Obayat, Obayat the father of Eliakim, Eliakim the father of Azur, Azur the father of Zadok, Zadok became the father of Achaim, Achaim the father of Aliud, Aliud the father of Eleazar, Eleazar became the father of Methan, Methan the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of her who was born Jesus, who was called the Christ. Thus, the total number of generations from Abraham to David are, is 14 generations. From David to the Babylonian exile, 14 generations. From the Babylonian exile to, to the Christ, 14 generations. Now, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. When his mother was betrothed to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found with child through the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, since he was a righteous man, yet unwilling to expose her to shame, decided to divorce her quietly. Such was his intention when, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home, for it is, it is through the Holy Spirit that this child has been conceived in her. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call, they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. 
When Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took his wife into his home. He had no relations with her until she bore a son, and he named him Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so what we have read, try to remember the first part I read to you, that epic poem. I kind of I call it an epic poem. It's a it's it's a beautiful sort of like epic poem. And much of what Matthew the genealogy is actually genealogies are very important because genealogies trace back to an event. It tells a story. And that's what a genealogy is. A genealogy is a story. It's a story of in the Bible, it's salvation history. It is a story of a family, it is a story of a drama, a drama with God, the epic adventure of God, uh, the, the adventure of faith, the adventure of salvation, salvation history. It's about God and his people. It's about people and their God. It's about people and their struggle with their, with their failures. An interesting Father Mitch Pacwa the other day said that one thing you'll notice about the the family of Abraham is that they have a serious sin that they keep repeating, and that sin is lying and cheating. Abraham, when he went into Egypt, told his wife, Sarah, at the time he was called Abram, she was called Sarai, and he was afraid. He didn't have any faith in God. He thought that they would try to kill him because his wife as old as she was, people back then, uh, if we're going to trust the Bible, and we should trust the Bible, that they they pretty look pretty handsome. They age very slowly because from the time of Adam, these people lived a long time, and they only started to they they as sin increased, they started to lose, let's say, uh, the uh, the slow age process, as as many scholars, uh, many of the great church fathers believed. Sa- uh, uh, Sarah was a handsome, good-looking woman, and Abraham knew it, and he thought the Egyptians would kill him to take her for the, for, the, for Pharaoh. But what happened was it, caught, it only brought uh, danger because of possible because by lying, the possibility of sin was opened. And then it happened again with the Philistines, and he did the same thing. He lied. Isaac did the same thing. And then what happened was the next thing you know, uh, there was also that sin between uh, that Sarah pushed between Abraham and Hagar and uh, confusing the family a little bit more with the birth of Ishmael, making it more complicated, make, making the family more, extremely dysfunctional because they, she didn't trust God and her her not having faith in God caused Abraham to sin. And then they had Isaac, uh, they had Ishmael. Eventually they had Isaac. Isaac himself inherited his father's fear because uh, his wife, Rebecca, uh, was a beautiful woman. And he also lied when he walked among the Philistines, said that she was my sister, causing the Philistine king to take her. And what happened was God visited the house of the Philistine king, uh, causing all the women not to have children, to sort of go into miscarriage. Eventually, the sin the sin was discovered. God visited the Philistine king and told him, you're a dead man because you did not, because you took another man's wife. And 
eventually what happened was everything was restored. Uh, I, uh, his The wife was restored back to Isaac and the Philistine king's household was restored back to good health. But of course, Isaac's sin led to Jacob cheating his father and cheating Esau, a dysfunctional family, because they didn't trust God. And it led to other dysfunctional, other sins. These people are real people. They're real people with failures and struggles. They're not perfect people. The Bible never presents these people as perfect. They struggle for perfection. They, It's always almost beyond their grasp because they can't do it on their own. They need the grace of God. They need to trust God. They need to put their faith in God. And that's one of the things. You see this again and again. You see it uh, in um, Jacob's family. Dysfunction, sin, fear, uh, seduction. I won't go to every single detail, but there are four women in the family tree of Jesus. All right? You got uh, Tamara. You got Rahab. You got Ruth. And you got Bathsheba. Four women. And all these four women are non-Jewish women. They're not of Israel. Tamara was a Canaanite. And she married two of Judah's sons and both of them died because of sin. And he kept the third one from her. She dressed up as a prostitute. She seduced him on the road. She took his seal with his symbol, his emblem on it. Later on, when she was discovered to be pregnant, Judah thought he may be an opportunity to get rid of her, to, to either stone her or burn her at the stake. She showed the seal. You're, you're the man that fathered this child. Then you had um, Rahab uh, in Jericho, a prostitute who protected two of the Israelite spies. She entered the house of Israel. Then you had Ruth. Ruth is a Moabitess, and she is a descendant from an incest relationship that Lot had with his two daughters, one of his two daughters, but both daughters seduced him because when they escaped Sodom and Gomorrah. The two daughters got him drunk. One of them uh, laid with him and she gave birth to Moab. And according to the book of Leviticus, the Moabites are cursed because of the ancestral relationship and they weren't allowed to enter the, the covenant of Israel. But Ruth made it by the grace of God because of her faith and her love for God and her faithfulness and love for Naomi, her mother-in-law. The two women grew so tight and so close together. Their love and their trust in God and their love and faithfulness to each other is legendary. They became mother and daughter more, far more in their in their hearts than in, than than rather in in uh, through marriage. They, you know, Ruth was very faithful to her. And she became an ancestor of David, an ancestor of the Christ. All these women are great-grandmothers in the line of Jesus. And then Bathsheba, a more complicated one. Um, the mother of King Solomon, she was another man's wife. She was a foreigner, a Hittite. 
you probably are familiar with the Hittites with the story of the Trojan War. The city of Troy was a Hittite city. And these people were very adaptable. They took any religion and all the gods from all the different lands. And what happened was that these people were foreigners and they entered this, the, the, the lives of Israel. They converted. But what happened was David um, should have been out in war. It was springtime, but instead he was at his palace. And looking out his window, he saw a beautiful woman bathing. He should have averted his eyes and looked the other way. But because I sensed that Bathsheba wanted him to look, they must have seen each other possibly at a banquet, at a dinner party. And he recognized her probably and wondered if it was the woman he saw at the banquet and found out it was Bathsheba because when he sent for her, well, it didn't, took, it didn't take much for the two of them to jump into bed together. But the result was pregnancy. And David tried the best he could to make to get Uriah to sleep with his wife. But because Uriah was a convert and faithful, no man can sleep with his wife when there's war going on. This is one of the laws of Moses. The man was faithful to it far more than David. When David could not cover up the pregnancy, he sent Uriah to the front lines with a note to give to his commanding officer. The commanding officer opened it up and it said, put him in the front lines and pull the soldiers back and make sure this man is dead. So on top of his adultery was murder. And then you had all the other people, <clears throat> all the others, every, every uh, story, who knows, stories we'll never hear about. Trials, failures, unfaithfulness, idolatry, adultery, Sin, corruption, political corruption, immorality, every possible thing is all there in the family tree. And yet, somehow God's grace makes his way through. <clears throat> we live in a time where we're very materialistic. Those people lived in a time, they probably thought their world was very materialistic. Many people probably wondered, is God real? Is God far away? The prophets came, the prophets preached. Jeremiah, Isaiah, Elijah, Daniel. All of them came and they preached. They were reformers. And they were revolutionaries. They were reformers. Again, they were, they were people of their time. And they, yet at the same time, they stood above their time. Saints and sinners. There's a show on EWTN called Saints and Scoundrels. It's the same thing. There's good and there's bad. There's people who have fallen and people who have converted. It's all part of salvation history. And yet it led to the birth of our Lord. It led to his mother, the Immaculate Conception. That God can actually create a beautiful pearl as the Virgin Mary. And then 
we find out that she is the tabernacle that will, the tent of meeting, the one that will be overshadowed by the power of the Lord. The Holy Spirit came upon her and the power of the Most High overshadowed her and the child that she gave birth to will be the called the Son of God. It's possible. It's not impossible. All right, so let's go into the book, The Day Christ Was Born. Okay, let's continue with The um, the Day Christ Was Born by Jim Bishop. The Magi waited until the star came up east of Jerusalem, and then when it, when it again neared the zinth in the night sky, they mounted their camels and followed it the final few miles. They started on the north side of Jerusalem, where there was a bazaar for Gentiles, and passed the gate of Damascus, and went across the swift-flowing Kidron to a, a little place called Gethsemane, then south towards the valley of Hinnom, and went up the winding road near the field of the potter, and straight south into Bethlehem. The star seemed to move before them, as stars do when people travel, but when they came to Bethlehem, the blue-white gem appeared to be directly overhead. They asked the few, uh, the few pilgrims who still remained after the Roman census if a king had been born in the area. The pilgrims, the pilgrims said they had heard no such news. The wise men tried several places, but the replies to their questions were vague and guarded. The Magi looked the Magi looked like rich Gentiles, which they were, and the people were disinclined to even talk with them, even for a little conversation. It was Gaspar who said that the question should be rephrased. Instead of asking if a king was born, let us ask if a baby had been born. They tried this as well with no success until they stopped at the inn for refreshments. They were told that an unknown couple from the north had had a baby. No one knew anything about the family. The newborn could be found below at the stable. The three wise men looked at each other and wondered, a stable, a king, God himself at a stable? They went, they went outside and again checked the prophecies of the ancient Jews through the scriptures and the portent of the star. The signs, the signs, they were forced to conclude, were correct. Balthazar pointed out that there was much evidence that the one God acts in ways too mysterious for ordinary men, and that there, there must be a reason, a reason which escaped them for having, for having the All-Highest born, the All-Highest God born to an unknown people in the stall of animals? Gaspar agreed, but he spoke for all when he said that even though the reason appeared to be unimaginable, unfathomable, 
They had inquired around the town. Only one baby had been born, and this one must be the one promised by God to the Jews. Malkir nodded solemnly with solemnity, and then the three men pitched a tent outside the inn. They removed their traveling garments and changed into raiment befitting their station in life. This was a happy moment for the sophisticated intellectual Persians. They had a matter of, they had, as a matter of, matter of fact, been on intimate terms with kings who had sought their counsel. This would be the first king, majestic, who would be an infant and at the same time the anointed one of God, the Christ, the Messiah. From the saddle pouches they withdrew their gifts, adorned themselves with the jewelry of their rank, and in solemn file walked down the path to the stable. At the entrance to the stony grotto, they were met by Joseph, St. Joseph himself. Gaspar introduced himself and his conferers and told Joseph that they had come a long way to adore the new king. The, the foster father excused himself and went inside to consult with Mary. In a, mo in a moment he was back, asking them to enter, apologizing for the humbleness of his quarters. The Magi did not hear him. They were looking beyond Joseph to Mary, who sat crouched on straw with the infant in her arms. She glanced up briefly, then reverted to what she had been doing, touching downward at the baby's chin to make him smile. The three wise men threw themselves onto the grainy, grain-sanded floor, the folds of their garments spilling over into the into the ground they touched their foreheads to the floor and announced that they had come to pay homage to the new king mary glanced at them tenderly and held her baby so that they could see his face mary smiled and the little one smiled the wise men remained grave serious they studied the infant's face as though they were trying to etch it in their memories. Their knees remained on the floor throughout the visit, and when Gaspar felt that it was time to go, he nodded to Malchior, who made a formal address about bringing gifts suitable to one who would be referred to as the All-Highest. He reached behind and brought forth a small, ornate casket, as it was open, Mary turned to look. Joseph stood in the archer, arch doorway watching. The baby dozed. Melchior opened the casket and announced the gifts of the Magi as they were laid upon a white cloth. There was a small packet of gold dust, then a jar of frankincense, a frequent essence of re resins, and oils. Then, the, oh, I'm sorry, the, the jar of frankincense, a fragrant essence of resins and oils from the East Africa, and myrrh, a rare orange colored gum used as perfume. Joseph was abashed. He was a young man from 
a poor town, but he realized that these gifts were reserved as tribute to sovereigns, kings. He tried to express his gratitude, but the words died on the roof of his mouth. Mary smiled and thanked the visitors and hoped that God would guide them home safely. The Magi backed to the door of the stable and left. They decided to spend the night in Bethlehem and to leave in the morning. Before the little camp, they set, they set a fire and sat talking about the visit and the portent to the world represented by the newborn baby, a newborn king. Balthazar said that he could detect a radiance and aura of light around the Messiah. Melchior said that he too had noticed. Gaspar was looking at the night sky. What, he asked, happened to the bright blue star? In the night, the Magi were warned not to return to King Herod with the news of fighting the Messiah. They were not, they were not told why. In the morning, the three philosophers agreed that although it would be wrong to ignore the invitation of Herod, to return to Jerusalem, it would be worse to ignore the warning of the angel in a dream. So they packed their tents and utensils, mounted their camels, and instead of returning north to Jerusalem, they headed east through Mazbra and then north to Jericho and across the Jordan to to, Perg uh, to Paria. There was, a there was a time of quiet, a time of family, communion, a time to think. There were two ceremonies to be undergone before they could go home to Nazareth. The presentation of the firstborn at the temple in Jerusalem and the purification of the mother. The first, under the law, could take place any time after the 31st day of a male child. The second could not occur before the 41st day. <laughs> Joseph said that it would not be wise to return to Nazareth and then come back for the visitation to the temple. It would be better to remain in Bethlehem and on the morning of the 41st day to take the child to Jerusalem. Obey the law and return to the cave and pack up preparations to leaving for a long trip home the next day. Although the carpenter would be away from his business for many weeks, this for the young man who had recently concluded his apprenticeship was a long time. He must return to his work in a craft as precious as his. It was important to remain in good favor with the townsmen, and a man could not do that if he was not able to, to, to work. Mary agreed. She was obedient wife, a girl whose hours were taken up with her baby, the bath, the feedings, the changes, sitting sitting with him in the early sunlight or on the sidewalk, I'm sorry, the side of the hills, rocking him to sleep and croning to him in the late hours, all tended to confuse the young mother between her son's divinity and his human aspects. He was a baby, her baby, but he was also God and the daily ministering to his normal needs moved her mother moved her mother's heart to dwell upon him as an infant who needed maternal care and love 
But when the baby, but when the baby slept, she and Joseph had time to discuss in whispers the wondrous things which had happened and which would come in the future. They were beset with anxiety, and they did not know what was the what was expected of him of them. Joseph seemed at times to have a deeper appreciation of the destiny of the youngster. Mary, on the other hand, had an ap uh, an apparition of e uh, apprehension of each of the wonders of the birth of the Messiah, but seemed unable to group them into one big mural. It was better this way because had the father permitted her to see the normality of the whole plan, she would have been overwhelmed in the presence of Jesus and could not have discharged the duties of a good mother in the normal intercourse of raising a child. Another factor was that the Son of God had come to, to earth to be born, to grow in wisdom and in favor with God and men, to engage in a public ministry, to know that the true, to know that the true and only way to heaven, and had to die in self-willed pain for all men. These things would not have been truly, uh, truly of earth if Jesus had not elected to be as a human, as his neighbors, as all men. Neither Mary nor Joseph ever lost sight of the real mission of Jesus, nor of his divinity. They knew. In the years ahead, there would be many strange and awesome things to remind them again and again that the human aspect was a was the condescension of God to man, whom he created and loved. The divine side would be hidden from for more than 30 years, and when it was revealed publicly, it would be done at a marriage feast solely to please his mother. The sorrows were so far away. The first 41 days were sentimental ones for Mary, and, uh, for Mary and Joseph. They were happy ones spent in the humblest surroundings. When the census taking was over, they could have moved up to the uh, inn because there was room, but it would have been an added expense, and Joseph carpentry in the stable and had turned out so well. Um, sorry, but it would have been an added expense, and Joseph carpentry in the stable had turned had turned out so well that the young couple felt relaxed at home among the domestic animals. At dawn on the first forty days, Joseph settled the little jackass and packed enough food and water for one day's travel. It would be five miles up to Jerusalem and five back. Then, after a good night's rest, they would be they would pack everything, pay the innkeeper, and start the five-day trip to Nazareth. Jerusalem and its great temple were like a was were like a giant hive to the Judean uh, to the Judean bees who appeared in long dusty lines along the inbound roads in the morning, who after the last evening cycle left in the long slow quays or groups, like the thousands of dark insects who after spawning leave a common uh, time without communicating with each other. In the northbound groups, Joseph had little animal uh, had had led the little animal, his donkey, and on it Mary and Jesus, and he saw the back of the animals and people ahead of him, and he expected he expected the alkali dust on his lips and the uh, gritty uh, taste between his teeth as a condiment <laughs> of travel. 
The Jews they met were not friendly because it was not considered seemly to exchange greetings. In ordinary conversation, well-educated people averted eyes because it was felt to be immodest. The stars into another pers uh, person's, uh, person's eyes. Sorry, let me read that one more time. The Jews, the Jews they met were not friendly because it was not con considered seemly to exchange greetings. In ordinary conversation, well-educated people averted eyes because it, felt, it was felt to be immodest to stare into another person's eye. Joseph passed the big field, other, other uh, uh, field of the potters. Joseph passed the field of the potters to the south of Jerusalem, walked up to the valley of Kidron to the north side, and entered the sheep gate. He tethered the ass and took Mary to the gate of the women's cave her, uh, and gave her some coins. Joseph took the baby in his arms and... and uh, and the mother smiled at the awkwardly tender manner in which he held Jesus, and she adjusted the feet, uh, she adjusted the folds of her swaddling, of his swaddling clothes, so that the sun would not hit the baby's eyes. The foster father first walked out into the courtyard and br and brought two turtle doves for sixteen cents. This was called the offering of the poor. A proper offering would have been a lamb, but the price of unblemished lambs on the temple grounds was 75 cents, in a land where the average family income probably did not exceed $50. Joseph could not afford anything but the most modest sacrifices. The mother stood timidly in the area reserved for the women of Israel. She saw many other women of all ages worshipping. Then she heard the hot the high, thin wail of the organ, which announced that the incense was to be kindled uh, on the golden altar. This summoned all women who had recently given birth to infants and who had come to the temple to be purified. Ahead of Mary was a huge trumpet standing on it, uh, on, and there were wide mouths standing like golden lilies against the marble of the house of God. She recalled Joseph, uh, Joseph's instructions, and into one of these, uh, one of these, she dropped her offering for the sacrifice. She walked up to the fifteen steps, to the Neknor gate. There were other young women with her. On the far side of the gate was the court of the Israelites. Men and females were not allowed there. The station, the the station men of a temple met the young women and assisted in the sacrifices, the burnt offerings, the sin offerings, the, uh, and the drink offerings, and the incense floated up into the blue morning sky. The hymn of praise filled the, co uh, the cold corridors. Afterward, Mary was Levitically clean, pure of stain, and would participate in the sacred offerings. She rejoiced with her husband Joseph and her son Jesus. All right, we're making some uh, progress here. It's a lot to read. We're almost done. I like that uh, the details. Although I think uh, when he wrote this, it was let me see the uh, the copyright here. Nineteen fifty four. Wow, nineteen fifty four. 
what was uh, no and then of course the copyright 1959 1960 1978 all right well still still um you know i mean i think he he put a lot of work in it's very interesting but I think there's a, probably a lot more we know now than ever before. All right, so let's end it with um, a prayer. All right. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Novena to Our Lady of Lords, O ever immaculate Virgin, Mother of Mercy, Health of the Sick, Refuge of Sinners, Comfort of the Afflicted, you know my wants, my troubles, and my sufferings. Cast upon me a look of mercy, by appearing in the Grotto of Lords, you were pleased to make it a privileged sanctuary where you dispense your favors and where many sufferers have obtained the cures of their infirmities, both spiritual and corporal. I come, therefore, with the uttermost unbounded confidence to implore your maternal intercession, obtain, O loving mother, and granting of my request through the gratitude for favors. I will endeavor to imitate your virtues that I may one day share your glory. Amen. Our Lady of Lords, pray for us. Our Lady of Lords, pray for us. Our Lady of Lords, pray for us. St. Bernadette, pray for us. Immaculate, and prayer to our Immaculate Mother. O most blessed Mother, heart of love, heart of mercy, ever listening, caring, consoling, hear our prayers as your, as your children. We implore your intercession with Jesus, your Son. Receive with understanding and compassion the petitions we place before you. Today, especially, and here we make a private requests. We are comforted to knowing your uh, your heart is ever open to those who ask for your prayer. We trust to your gentle care and intercession those whom we love and who are sick or lonely or hurting. Help all of us, Holy Mother, to bear our burdens in this life, and that we may we may share eternal life and peace with God our Father. Amen. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us. Pray for us, Holy Mother of God, that we may be worthy of the promises of Christ. And now we'll say the Nessene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, you, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation he came down from heaven, and by the power, by the Holy Spirit, was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried, and rose again against uh, rose again on the third day, in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven, and seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the, whole, the Lord, the Giver of Life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son, is adored and glorified and who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins and the look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Merry Christmas to everyone. And I hope you have at least uh, a peaceful time with your family. And I hope you're safe. Merry Christmas to you and your loved ones. God bless.